You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of the Techie Leadership Show. I am Andrei Crudu. Here with me is Bogdan Crudu, my co-host for this show. And of course, the amazing George Bratt. Hi, George. How are you? How are, how are you? Good, good, good to be with you. Yeah. George, it's an ex- he's an exceptional person. He specializes in, on onboarding uh, leaders and accelerating complex transitions. Actually, he wrote the book on what to do in your first 100 days uh, starting at a company and how to make the most of them to actually achieve more in 100 days than you can do in a year. Is that right, Brad? That, that is absolutely right. And, and you can call me Brad, you can call me George, you can call me whatever you want, just don't call me late for lunch. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so what else do you want to tell us about yourself? Well, I, I guess the summary would be I spent uh, two decades in sales and, and marketing and general management literally around the world. The, the highlights were Lever Brothers, sales, marketing at Procter & Gamble and Coca-Cola, and then general management at Coca-Cola, including deputy president and region manager for China. And then at uh, J.D. Power & Associates, uh, we did a spinoff called the Power Information Network, and I was its chief executive. When I was done with that, I started okay. Prime Genesis Executive Onboarding in 2003 because I was disturbed at the 40% of new leaders that get fired, forced out, or quit in their first 18 months. So since then, I and my 11 partners have reduced that rate of failure from 40% down to below 10% by doing exactly what you said. We help those new leaders and their teams get done in 100 days would normally take six to 12 months. Better results faster, and it works. Well. George, I could have used your help <laughs> in my last position. I was that leader who was left uh, high and dry, as <laughs> you might say it. Uh, we, it was, we, uh, we get that a lot. We get that. We hear that a lot. And that's why we're so focused on this. Yeah. But it was a great learning experience. I learned a lot for it. It was hard on the soul, but I learned a lot. But it's great that with all your experience, you probably have some amazing, amazing stories. And it's been probably really hard to choose just two of them, but um, I'm sure they're going to be great. So without further ado, what would be like the biggest leadership success story that you can share with us? One of my heroes is a guy named Charlie Shemansky. Charlie tells the story of people in a restaurant who hear the sound of a a significant car accident. And as he describes it, many will go to the window to see what happened. Yes. Some will go to the curb to get a closer (laughs) look and see what happens next. And then there's a small number of people that will rush to the accident to be what happens next. They want to help out however they can to the best of their abilities. Charlie, when I met him, was coming in to be the head of the uh, 
Red Cross, Red Cross of North the United States, head of their disaster response. And Charlie says the Red Cross's disaster response all around the world okay. represent, and this is his quote, represent that segment of society that is willing to roll up its sleeves to help someone that they've never met before. They're the ones that provide relief to victims of accidents and disasters. And as Charlie says, these people want to be the best part of people's worst day. And I, I, I was with Charlie at his very first leadership conference with 225 Red Cross respond, responding directors. And, and he was amazing. He was everywhere. He was up on stage. He was hugging people. It was three days. He just, he was everywhere. And so then I, I interviewed him for Forbes and I said, um, so I was there and I saw people's expression change. It, it clearly wasn't about you. It was about them. But, but what were you thinking? And Charlie said, well, when I go into a meeting like that, I don't think about what I'm going to say. Okay. So much for preparing in advance. I don't think about what they're going to hear. So much for putting yourself in your audience <laughs> shoes. He said, I think about how I want them to feel. And in this case, I wanted these people to feel that they were at the core of what we do, that our success is on their shoulders. I wanted them to feel proud. And a great leader that focuses on making the people he or she or they are leading feel proud can't go wrong. So I love that story. Yeah, that's a really powerful story. And especially like, I, I myself felt like the need to prepare for situations and what I'm going to say, how I'm going to approach it. And probably he has like, with enough experience, you can do that. Or is it just, uh, what's your point of view? Do you need like to have like a bank of experience to draw from, to be able to just be placed in a situation to tackle it? Or is, is there a way to shortcut it? No, there are no shortcuts. There was a movie called Shine, and it was about a, a guy helping a, a person learn to play the piano and helping a great concert pianist. And in the midst of it, there's a line where the guy, the teacher tells the student, you have to learn the notes. You have to know them backwards and forwards. And then once you learn the notes, forget the notes and play the music. So Charlie had spent 25 years doing disaster response, helping people, working his way up the ladder. He learned all the notes. He had done all the preparation. And only once he'd done that was he able to forget the notes and focus on helping people, making people feel proud. Yes, well, it's like the, it's like the old saying, like if you have like 12 hours to chop down a tree, spend like 10 of them sharpening your ax. Yeah. Yeah, from exactly. Abraham Lincoln. Preparation breeds confidence. <laughs> yes. And uh, now moving on to 
the question that's a little more, uh, I usually find it like it's more personal. It's more, it's harder to actually share uh, failure stories, but uh, th those are, at least I personally found, are the best one to learn a lot from them. So what would be like a leadership uh, failure that you've witnessed, you know about, and what can we learn from it? We were uh, working with a, uh, a new chief marketing officer for a company. And when the, and I'd done a lot of work with the company, I knew the company. And when they asked us to help, I said, I, I've got to meet with the CEO because you don't have a chief marketing officer. I, don't, I, I need to know what the CEO is thinking. Yes. And he said, yeah, there's no role. We've hired this person. They're going to have to uh, create the role because currently the marketing is done by uh, each division does their own marketing. I want to pull it together. So over time, this new chief marketing officer is going to have to earn the respect of the division presidents and they're going to have to create the role together. Got it. So we, uh, and back to what we were talking about before, preparation breeds confidence, you gotta get a head start. So we meet with people we're working with as far in advance of their first day as possible. And this guy walked into our first meeting 10 days before he started, holding this book, The New Leader's 100 Day Action Plan, which we'd written and said, I'm never going to forget this. He said, if I had read this book in advance, I never would have taken the job. But it's okay because I just bought a car dealership, so I have my exit plan. So we kind of knew we were in trouble and he was in trouble. And what he did was, instead of taking the time to earn the respect of the division presidents by inspiring and enable, he just demanded it. He said, okay. I'm the chief marketing officer. You all have to listen to me. And he started claiming territory and people and adding dis disabling policies and procedures. You have to do it this way. He said, this is my way. I'm in charge. And it culminated during uh, his imperative workshop. He pulled together uh, various marketing people around the, from the company to talk about the future of marketing. And he told the division marketing vice presidents that they now reported to him, that he was now their boss. Interesting. It was the first time they'd ever heard that. So they found mm -hmm. about this, found out about this in this big meeting. It gets worse. Their bosses found out about it when those marketing people called them up and said, did you know about this? And the bosses <laughs> And the CEO hadn't heard about it. And amazingly enough, this guy got fired 60 days into the job. And, and, and the lesson is, I mean, it is, it is the fundamental lesson of, of onboarding, which is you have to converge before you evolve. You have to earn the right to lead before you can claim the right to lead. Yeah. Lots of people feel like, well, I got the job, I got the title. I Basically, they demand respect instead of building it and helping people get to the point where they respect them and they want to help them and help them grow and it's i've never seen it work or i i personally wouldn't like to have a boss that has like an iron glove with everything sure sometimes you have to take a stand you have to be to draw a line in the sand but it's it's in the sand the line it's not <laughs> it's not final you can move it tweak it a little 
uh, you're working with people you're not working with uh, with machines so it, it you're right in general the the only time we recommend people jump in and just say i'm in charge do it my way is if they want to shock the system and if it's a, a a real crisis or a massive turnaround but they have to understand that uh, very so they're change agents and they need to understand that very few if almost no changes we'll call it almost no people no change agents survive their own change they can shock the system they can save the organization but they have to know that at some point uh, the people they are leading are going to turn against them and force them out yeah, you make a lot of enemies <laughs> that way. You can yeah. maybe reboot it, but you're not going to have any friends around the water cooler. Right, and sometimes it's more important to save the organization than to make friends. Yes, if if that's your job, you're brought in for that specific task. You have to know that it's time limited. That's what you have to do. Uh, you're not going to be nice about it. Uh, and it's hard, especially like, for example, now with this crisis, probably lots of companies are going to require some crisis leadership um, to help them get over the hurdle. Well, you know you're right. And that's true around the world. And do you have some tips for uh, leaders that are struggling with their organizations now? Um, I do. And, and what we've, um, I'll go two ways. One is, well, let's do this. Okay. Let me, uh, let me give you a framework for leaders today and for aspiring leaders. Awesome. And, I'm and all so, leaders. and it's, um, it's, it's an acronym. It's really simple. It's be brave. And brave is B-R-A-V-E. And it's an acronym for behaviors, relationships, attitudes, values, and the environment. And so it's really five tips. But the thought is you start outside in. You start with the environment. And, and you have to answer the question, where should I play? This is about the context. And, and the reason mm -hmm. it's generally applicable is if the context is things are going generally fine and and i really just want to continue the momentum then i'm going to lead very differently than if we're in a crisis so the context is about the environment that's that's tip one tip two is that in any case you go to values next the question is what matters and why what, what's our purpose and uh and I think there are three goods. I, th I think happiness is, is good. And I think it's a combination. I think everybody has this combination of, of doing good for others, doing things they're good at, and doing good for me. And, and the most inspiring leaders start by thinking, how do I do good for others? So whether it's a crisis or ongoing situation, if what matters and why is how I can do, how I can help the organization make an impact on others. Charlie Shemansky, their mission is to help victims of disasters. They're totally other focused. Some 
unnamed investment bankers I know may be thinking about how they can make more money out of the crisis. What's good for yes. me? Different philosophy, but so just <laughs> understand the context, the environment, understand the values, what matters and why ideally be other focused. The third piece is attitude. And the question there is how to win. This is about choices. And, and back to the conversation we were having, if it's a crisis, you're going to choose to be a, say, a, a, a change agent. You're going to choose to make, I, I may not make friends, but I'm going to save the organization and, um, and we're going to move on. And then relationships are about how to connect because the only thing any leader can do all by themselves is fail. If you want to succeed, you have to bring the team along with you. And the framework there is you have to connect emotionally, rationally, and inspirationally. And part of this is, is something called the Stockdale Paradox. But if I'm in a crisis, which was your first question, the first thing is I've got to make, I've got to connect with people. I've got to feel their pain. They've got to believe, they, they, they've got to want to pay attention to me. And, and think that I understand what's going on and I can empathize with them. That's, that's the emotional part. Always start by connecting. Second, you got to be rational. If it's a crisis, lay out the facts. Here's what's going on. This is awful. I mean, anybody that's dealing with this COVID-19, it's awful. You know, it doesn't matter who you blame. There's just nothing good about this thing. Yes. And, and, and there are facts and it's just, it's terrible. That's rational. And then the last piece is the inspirational, which is um, connect by helping people see the way forward. If you're Charlie Shemansky, I'm going to make you feel proud so that we can go help the world together. If it's this marketing person that I was talking about, he completely failed because he <laughs> didn't give people a way forward. It was all about him. And the last piece then is behaviors. And this gets at the question here you're answering is what's the impact? And you need to distinguish between tasks, projects, programs, and priorities. Priorities are the long-term things. I'm going to manage these over time. I'm going to set annual goals. I'm going to meet with people maybe quarterly to deal with long-term things. That's wonderful. Programs are, are shorter term. And, and they're, they're the things that are going to have big impact. And I'm going to manage those maybe monthly. Projects are the subcomponents of a program. And, and, and they're, 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 more, they're closer to the coalface, and I want to manage those weekly. And tasks are the things that people do every day. Those have to get managed daily on a regular basis, even more frequently on a crisis. So figure out your level of leadership and figure out if you're a frontline leader managing the tasks, a second-line leader managing projects, a bigger leader managing programs or a bigger leader managing priorities and do that. So these are tips for aspiring leaders and they apply to both crisis leadership and regular leadership. Not sure that was the answer you're looking for, but get over it. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like it's, it's better just to manage behaviors, talk with each person you know, that's reports to you and establish like which are their, daily, weekly behaviors or monthly behaviors they have to do and review them. And my, in my opinion, I think it would be better if you just focused 
did they do the behaviors or not and not try to reprimand them based on the results they got while doing their behavior because it's always a learning process they can be improved on that but if a person refuses to do the behaviors then then they're not likely working with you or want to to collaborate and take it forward so so there i would argue you're going to manage people differently at different levels if i'm a frontline supervisor yes i may be i may give more direction i may i may tell people what to do so and hands on uh, be more hands-on and tell them what to do. Of course, if I'm telling you what to do, the best I can ever hope for is compliance. Yes. If, if I'm trying to build a team, I might uh, try to persuade you to do something my way. I might test some ideas, or I might throw out an idea and ask you to help me think about it and, and let you contribute. Because if you contribute to the ideas, then you're you're going to want to contribute to the job. You're not going to do just what I tell you to do. You're going to be thinking, if I'm Charlie Shemansky, I can't be there. I, I can't be there at every disaster. I can't tell people what to do. I can't manage sure. their behaviors. I've got to get them to commit to the cause. And we've got to co-create what we're doing together. And because I want commitment. So three levels of engagement. One level is, uh, compliance, which works in some cases, just get this done. Second level is contribution. And then the third level would be commitment. And in every case, if we get down to the behaviors, um, I learned this from a guy named Michael Brown, you want to follow the ABCs of behaviors, which is antecedent, behavior, consequence. Let me give you an example. And I know this is going to be an audio. audio we'll, we'll do an audio. Imagine if you would, uh, I ask you to shake my hand. Would you shake my hand? Yeah, Come on. for sure. Shake my hand. Hold on. Digital handshake here. <laughs> Visual handshake. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. Actually, can we do it one more time? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, why did you shake my hand the first time? I shook it because you reached out and it just felt natural to do it. I don't know. It's it wasn't natural. It was not natural. If we'd just been sitting here, you would not have put your hand up and, and just randomly shook my hand. I reached out and I asked you to. I invited you to. That was the antecedent. I prompted the behavior. So my expecting you to do something without my inviting it, it's not going to work. I can't sit there and say, why didn't you do this? <laughs> if I want you to do something, I should tell you. Um, and what you was tell the me consequence? To... Exactly. And what was the consequence of shaking hands the first time? What did I say? I said, thank you. And it, I made oh. you feel good. Oh, yeah. If we, and, and so when I asked you to do it again, you were happy to do it. If we'd been in the same room and I'd shaken your hand, and when I had your hand, taken my other hand and punched you in the face. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if I then asked you to do it again, you know, unless you're really weird, you likely would not have. Well, I like to think myself a quick learner, so <laughs> it have been exactly. like one of those uh, instant learning experiences. Yeah, exactly. And and the point is, it is terrifying. It is, and and think about it. 
how many managers ask somebody to do something and then punch them in the face for doing what they ask them to do and are surprised when they don't, don't do it again. <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, hey, can you stay late and do this report for me? Fantastic. Great. You know what? That was a really good job. Can you stay late again tomorrow night and the next night and the next night? You're punching them in the face. You're punishing them for doing extra effort. So antecedents, behaviors, consequences, make sure you are rewarding the positive behavior and punishing the negative behavior. And even worse, when you ask them to stay late and do some work and next day you criticize the work that they did. Exactly. That's another <laughs> way of punching somebody in the face. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. So actually that's, it's a perfect segue to the, my next question. So what's your leadership philosophy? So, the so big meta. yeah, I think leadership is about inspiring and enabling others to do their absolute best together to realize a meaningful and rewarding shared purpose. Let's unpack that. Yes. It starts with the purpose. It starts with, we start at the end. What are we trying to do? And if it's meaningful, back to the three goods, meaningful means it's good for others. Meaningful yes. and rewarding. Rewarding means it's good for me. So it's got to be good for others and good for me. That's a meaningful and rewarding shared purpose. Uh, inspire and enable others to uh, do their absolute best. Doing their absolute best is doing what they're good at. And then doing them together is because, doing that together is because teams beat individuals. And it starts with inspiring and enabling. So the best leaders, one, bring out the best in individuals. And then two, enable team members to compensate for each other's gaps because they know teams beat individuals. So when you put all that together, leadership is about inspiring and enabling others to do their absolute best together to realize a meaningful and rewarding shared purpose. And I guess when you're talking about wanting the best for, for people, it's because lots of leaders are, we're doing the best for our customers, but they forget their teams sometimes and put a lot of pressure on them. And they don't also include in that best how to create the best situation for also for our employees, something that they come to work and they feel like excited to be there and they want to contribute and they want to help, to help the, the, their customers. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's two parts of that. Part is that they have to work together and the reward, it has to be rewarding for them. If I'm a team member, you want, if I'm your team member, you want me to want to work uh, with the other team members and you want me to feel good about what I'm getting out. Yeah, that's for sure. So um, what would be like your top three leadership tips that you would have? I know it's so hard I, to select just the top three. No, no, no. Or... I, I did that. And, and I, I, I sort of anticipate this question. That was the brave piece. So the top, top leadership tips are, it, it, it's five, one or actually. five, whatever. But it, it, it is if you think brave, think about the environment, think about the values, think about the attitude, think about the relationships, think about the behaviors. So I, I snuck that in before. 
I thought you did that, George. Yeah. <laughs> and you actually gave us two extra ones, so it's good. Exactly. Um, what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? Yeah, I'm going to give you an answer you're not expecting here. So okay. it would be the new leader's 100 day action. <laughs> and and uh, it, it's, a, it's a book I, I wrote, actually I've written it several times, but it's fueled our growth. So it's, it's really had an impact on it. We, yes. We're all about structure, leverage, and confidence. It's what we do for people. We, we, when people work with us, they go, hey, I, I love the, the structure you gave me, and you really helped me do it, and I feel better about myself. So the book, this, the book it is our structure. And it's got, you know, and if you force me for, for three tips for somebody onboarding, it would be get a head start, like we talked about before, preparation breeds confidence. It'd be manage your message because everything communicates. And then it would be set direction and build your team. And, and that's what this book does. And then, and then it talks about how to sustain momentum and deliver results. So it's our structure. Two is it gave us leverage. We can only reach uh, a few dozen people a year with our consulting and it's great we make a big impact on them but the book has reached you know literally hundreds of thousands in in several different languages including Romanian and yes. uh, and it's been the core of our marketing funnel because people hear about us through my Forbes articles uh, talks workshops interviews like this one and uh, and that gives us awareness then they go to our website and they get free executive summaries of our books. And we have and your website is? The website is Prime Genesis, so www.primegenesis.com. Um, and then so people go to the website, get executive summaries, and when they need us, we dial up the intensity, and then we help them. That's really good. And I really recommend listeners to the show to go to Prime Genesis, find out more, and... If they get their dream job, their dream position, and it's especially if it's a leadership position, which involves lots of power, lots of uh, subordinates, um, and they're brought in to create change or take the the business to the next level, do reach out to George. He will help you succeed. I'm sure of it. Terrific. Yeah. Well. Thank you very much, George. It has been a pleasure having you on the show and looking forward to having you a couple more times. Well, it's, it's, it's been delightful. I, um, you made it easy for me. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you and, and all the people listening. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.